0: What a crap show. What a blank show. Swear to God, we got to straighten our world out. And it starts right here on Don't At Me. Yeah, it does. Hey, speaking of straightening things out, uh, down seven strokes, all of a sudden, Justin Thomas, who by all accounts is a good guy. Now, Justin Thomas is an interesting cat because somehow, someway, Justin Thomas survived a homophobic slur that he said to himself. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Anyway, Justin Thomas is now a media darling. Seems like a great guy. I don't know. He was hugging his mom. He was hugging his dad. Got a hot freaking fiance. I mean, holy cow. So Justin Thomas, seven strokes back. He's biding his time. He gets to five under. The playoff comes with him and Will Zelotoros. I'll get to why in a moment. And Justin Thomas, I swear to God, Justin Thomas looked like, and this is pretty cool about sports. He looked like he was playing a Saturday afternoon game with his kids in that playoff. He looked calm, cool, collected, and all he was playing for was history. All he was playing for was legacy. I mean, that's a lot to play for if you don't know. I mean, you play for legacy, and away you go. You got to be nervous at some point, but Justin Thomas, man, he just, hey, you can say he backed into the playoff, and maybe he did the Pereira he just started knocking the ball in the last hole into the pond, got a double bogey, didn't even make the playoff. He was leading all day, all night, the night before, and all day the day previous. But Justin Thomas, when he got in the playoff against Will of Torres, he just looked like it was a day in the park. And that's amazing to me. I love that about him. He's not messing around. Hey, Torres was great, too. I mean, he just got the yips putting. He looks like me. Although I did knock in an 18-footer and belly bump my brother on the 17th hole playing my son. And my nephew, the other, are yesterday. We ended up losing 300 bucks to these clowns. It's one of the most disappointing athletic feats of my life, but I digress. Justin Thomas to me looked like a walk in the park, and I always admire that. I do, I admire that. I admire people that can get into the most high pressure situations and not flinch, and in fact, go the other way and look comfortable. And Justin Thomas did. I thought it was great. You know, I hate the media, right? Like, when I say hate, it's legit. Like, I I don't hate the individuals, but I hate the, well, there's a couple individuals I legitimately hate. And I don't hate anybody. My wife will tell you, I'm a happy dude. Like, I wake up with a song in my heart. I do. I do. I wake up, there's, oh, A. Lee. She's she's headed to work. But I got to tell you, and The media did it again. Is Tiger Woods done? Now, I'm not saying done playing. I'm not saying that. I'm saying is Tiger Woods done as anything other than a ceremonial golfer? Is he done as anything? I mean, anything other than, hey, uh, you know what? Tiger's playing today. Let's go watch him shoot 72 or above. You know, I don't know. He made the cut, rallied pretty good, and then I had to read all the articles about Tiger Woods, how there's no quitting Tiger Woods. I guarantee you, you're going to see Tiger Woods battling out there on Sunday. Really? Yeah? (laughs) About ten minutes after all these articles came out, and I'm not saying Tiger Woods wouldn't. I'm I'm not blaming Tiger Woods at all. I'm blaming the idiots in the media because the idiots in the media are, well, idiots in the media. But when I saw that, I'm like, wait a second here. You might want to back up on that until he actually plays on Sunday because I watched Tiger Woods play, and I got to tell you, I know he said his leg felt better, but I saw a limp. I also got to tell you, these guys out there are pretty good, and I see what Tiger Woods is doing. I see that Tiger Woods is bulking up pretty good, which means he's working out like a crazy person, and I love it. I love the fact that Tiger Woods, man, he works harder than Anybody. You look at his body, but here's what you can't overcome in any sport. Your legs. You know in the Army, what do they call it? Feet first? Feet first! Feet first! Take care of your feet and your feet will take care of you. Look, your boy here at Double D, I go get a pedicure about once every six weeks and I gotta tell you, when I walk out of Miss K's over here on 79th Street, these dogs feel good. It's like two, I don't know, it used to be two hours. It's like an hour of bliss. I get a little water, maybe a little tea, maybe a little chamomile. And I sit there and I get the I get the what do they call it? The deluxe. Yeah. And I make it a nice color. Cuz you got to take care of your feet and your legs. And when you look at whatever's going on with Tiger Woods' bad wheel, it ain't done yet. It ain't back yet, and it don't look like it's ever coming back because that dude has worked really hard. So I'm not saying Tiger Woods is done playing golf. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying he's done being anything other than a ceremonial golfer. I don't know, man. I don't know. I sure hope not because one of the things I truly enjoy, and I've told you this before, I enjoy big names. Like, I like watching superstars. I like watching guys, dynasties, teams. I like it. I do. And I don't know, man. I watched Tiger Woods, and I said to myself, let's think about golf. A lot of your power comes from your legs. You got to walk. I don't know. Hell, I was in a cart yesterday, and I still went over 10,000 steps. And that doesn't include all the practice. That doesn't include getting to and from the the, uh, facility. I mean, there's a lot there. I'm not saying, hey, look, I'm not saying these guys are marathon runners. I'm not saying they're sprinters. I'm not saying this is an incredibly taxing sport. But I am saying when you got a right leg that apparently has 9 million bones broken and pins everywhere, I do think, oh, by the way, and other guys aren't, and other guys learn from Tiger how to get big and strong, I think you got a problem. Speaking of a problem, I got to tell you, the, the, one of the easiest things to call was the Mavericks. But first, let's get into the Celtics. The Celtics play tonight. And we'll talk about that later, who to bet on. The Celtics had a chance coming home against the Heat. After beating the Heat, And the Celtics got boat raced. And you see the guy on the left there, Bam Adebayo, the dude had 31. And not only did Bam have 31, but he brought the ball up against pressure, thus negating any type pressure that the Celtics were going to put on the Heat. But here was the deal. At every single position, the Heat were quicker than the Celtics. At every one. Which is why... The only outlet they had was Al Horford. Al Horford had 20, but that ain't winning. Uh, Jalen Brown threw in a bunch of shots. But if you really watched it, Jalen Brown, excuse me, threw in a bunch of shots under pressure. You look at those numbers, and it really isn't, I don't know, there isn't anything that sticks out to you, the free throw discrepancy, 11-point discrepancy from the free throw line. I mean, if we're going to look at it from a statistical point, it's fine. But the number that's not up there is 20 turnovers by the Celtics. And a lot of them were caused because, ladies and gentlemen, Victor Oladipo came off the bench, got underneath guys, and made steal. It was good. And I'm happy for Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo left Indy. We're all supposed to be mad at him. But I'm happy for Victor Oladipo. Why? I'm happy for Victor Oladipo because he's overcome a horrific injury. And you know what? The guy went, worked for a couple years, worked on his body, worked on his game. You didn't hear from him for about a year and a half. Really didn't hear from him in the first round of playoffs. And here he's guarding people and changing the game. Salute Victor Oladipo. I like that. I do. Uh, I wrote an article for OutKick. And the article for OutKick said this. The Dallas Mavericks got no shot against the Golden State Warriors. And when I say no shot, they got a nice team. They got a nice, great player, I guess. Luka Doncic, everybody telling me he's the best offensive player in the league. I'm cool with that. But when you, and I wrote this, go see it at OutKick.com. When you are going to try to beat the Warriors and you are going to try to beat them when they're healthy and in their prime, you better have Hall of Famers, period. You can't beat them with bit players. Good players. Jalen Brunson, good player. Dinwiddie, good player. But name me somebody else that's really good. You better have Hall of Famers. I mean, it's historical. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Isaiah, Dumars, Rodman had to get by the Celtics. The Celtics had Bird, McHale, Paris. They had to get by Philadelphia. The Bulls, uh, Pippen, uh, Jordan, Kuko, whatever, they had to get by Isaiah. I mean, it's, it's what you have to do to beat a really good team in their prime. I'm sorry, but it is. So, you know what? You want to bitch, whine, and moan at me? You're not beating, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you're not beating the Golden State Warriors in their prime with this cast of characters. Let me throw something else out at you. Remember this. When the Bulls had Pippen and Jordan, what'd they do? I'll give you a minute. What'd they do? Well, they went out and got basically two Hall of Famers. Not basically, they're two Hall of Famers. Tony Kukos, who was the best player in Europe, and Dennis Rodman, who was the best rebounder. They also went and got an all-star named Ron Harper. People can, you know, whatever you want to say about Ron Harper, I got to tell you, I played against Ron Harper. I blocked Ron Harper's shot. Ron Harper then gave me 36. Miami of Ohio beat us when we were number three in the country at Indiana. Ron Harper was great. Not good. He was great. Averaged about 26 points a game for a while with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So if you're going to try to beat the Maverick, or excuse me, if you're going to try to beat Golden State, you damn sure better have some dudes. I mean, let's continue the conversation. I see Doug's in the thing. Do we have to take a break before we get to Doug Dillon, or can we just go straight to Doug? Oops. Maybe we'll take a break, and then we'll come right back. Doug Gottlieb joins us. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up, and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Look, we're only here... (laughs) To have the best guess. We're not here just to put people on the air. There's a certain level you have to achieve of insight, particularly in basketball. Like, I don't want to hear from some of these slaps you see on TV that are given jobs for whatever reason. Doug Gottlieb is one of two or three people that I listen to when he talks hoops. Why? Because he played it, he studies it, he knows it, coached it. Uh, you hear him every day on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, Doug, I just said this. I'm curious. I, I like Luke. I like their team. They're fine, but they ain't beating the Warriors. Warriors got too much. You got to have more to beat the Warriors. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I would agree, but um, there, there's a bunch of different levels to it. The, the difference in the series, quite honestly, is that um, no matter what lineup the Warriors have, okay, their fours and their fives, they at least have one. On the boards whereas I think the flaw to what Dallas does Dallas is kind of playing five out and obviously they're playing off of Luca and then they have Jalen Brunson who is kind of a magician in there with his footwork and kind of and posting up and then Spencer Dinwiddie can kind of go one-on-one but you know you're using Maxi Kleber and some of these other big guys they're out of the three point line they're not rebounders at all so you you basically have one shot at glory right Go look at the disparity in the offensive rebounding, and it's part of it is Draymond, but part of it is also Looney. I mean, Looney's a gigantic factor. So it's not just that the Warriors' star players are better and more. There's more of them than the Mavericks' star players. They're getting one and a half shots to your one. Um, that's that's really and it's by design. Um, the other the other part that jumps out at me is. Um, how how beautiful it is to watch them play basketball, right? Like, and, and yet, and here's the question I have for you, Double D. I don't think it's replicable. I I just don't, because you don't have star players, one, that are disconnected, but two, more importantly, there aren't teams in the NBA that have a star player, let alone two, that play as well without the basketball as, as Steph does. And as Clay does, those guys don't exist. We don't train basketball players to play without the basketball anymore. They, we just don't. I know. I train basketball players, and then I watch other guys, and I'm like, hey, we're all kind of doing the same stuff. Like, we got to teach them how to move without the ball. I'm like, well, yeah, but there's no real offenses that emphasize off-ball movement outside of exchanging. Right? That's all we do now. Is if you don't have the ball, you just go to a wing, and you exchange with the corner, or if you're a non-shooter, you cut. Like, that's it. That's all people do. The, the So what you're watching is not rare, okay? You're watching one of one in terms of a team that has two superstars that don't carry the ego of a superstar, but also will move without the basketball. And then you have bit players or ancillary players, like a Draymond, like a Looney, who understand, like, just cause they're not guarding me. Doesn't mean I have to shoot. Doesn't mean I have to prove them. I can shoot just stick with it. And eventually I'll get a dunk or I'll get a layup or somebody, one of these great shooters will get a shot. I don't think what you're seeing is replicable in any way. It is one of one. It is Haley's comment. Well, it's not even Haley's comments every once in what every 86 years, like this ain't coming back around based <laughs> upon based upon the egos of stars and the way in which basketball is taught specific, not just in the United States. Like, Luca didn't play in the United States. He didn't really play well without the basketball. Everything he does with the ball in his hands.
0: You know, I got two things for you, to that. I told my wife, now, I, I think you know this. My wife was a Hall of Fame coach and a player in softball and really like you know, had Division One offers and hoops and all that kind of stuff. So she understands sports. It's not like I'm talking to somebody that doesn't. I told her, I'd go, look, watch who screens – and where they go after the screen with the Golden State Warriors. I guarantee you the Golden State Warriors hit the screener and have more willing screeners than any team, at to your point, in the NBA, and it's not close. That's number one. And number two, I know you know this uh, pr- better than anybody. You're the perfect guy to ask this question. I would take Kavon Looney on my team for two reasons. One, he's got the unbelievable hands and motor. And two, I've not seen a guy, and I, I used to, I taught this to every guy that I ever had as a post guy, have so much patience in the post to go score. Where did Kavan Looney come from? What, where, where is this dude? Is unbelievable.
1: Well, remember when he was at UCLA, um, he was a good player, okay. Um, and I, I would say that probably growing up, he was thought to be a four right? I mean, it's really amazing what's happened in basketball. I remember when Derek Williams from Arizona was the number two pick in the draft. I was doing the draft ESPN at the time. And, and he shot some ridiculous percentage from three when he's in Arizona, but he was playing the five. And so he was projected as like a two, three, like a wing. And I mean, I called it the time and I, I liked Derek Williams. He grew up live in Orange County. La Mirada is right on the Orange County, Los Angeles border. So basically it's kind of same area. Great dude. No flaws as a human being. Just the transition from playing a four or five in college to playing the two, three in the pros. Like, come on, man. Now you're playing against the absolute best players in the world. And like everything is different. But the point is that we used to. And I think we still kind of do this where we we were fascinated by. Okay, what's a player look like when he goes down the position? Twos have to be ones, threes have to be twos, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's almost the opposite, right? It's almost the opposite where guys are, you know, you're a three in college. You want to make in the pros, you got to be a four. You're a four, you got to be a five, unless you obviously a rim-protecting five. Um, I think he's just developed over time. People forget how effective he was against Toronto. Like, keep in mind, three years ago, they played Toronto in the finals. They only have Durant one game or one half of one game for which he popped his Achilles, even game six, when they lost clay goes down that, that was a game. They could have won that game. Why? Because they've, they figured out ways to create the perfect roles for their guys and they've accepted those roles, right? Draymond. And, and then you have the bench players and, and then I think the biggest breakthrough is like you said, it's not just his patience in the post, because he's not going against any star shot blocker, right? I mean, everything he gets is because you're paying attention there. But it's his patience. Like, every time he gets the ball, he takes a look. He knows he's wide open, and he can find cutters. There was a play last night in the fourth quarter where, kind of like all those actions, okay, he's setting a screen for Steph. His man hedges – one man hedges out. He's wide open. He catches in the lane and takes a dribble. And Jalen Brunson's underneath, and it's basically a two-on-one with your center. Okay. And then he's got a cutter. I think he's got Draymond on the other side. He takes a dribble, but jump stops doesn't charge bounce pass and they get a layup. Like it's perfect. So I think he's been very well coached within their system. I think he's a very smart player. I think the fact that he's gone up a position where he handled the ball and in his previous, not just NBA life, but basketball life helps him as well. And he's found the perfect role, and he's accepted it. And they put him in position where he knows he can make all the reads in the world. He doesn't—they're not going to run a play for him, and he's still going to get five dunks a game. Yeah. He's going to get five assists a game. And then again, the big thing is that because they have such outstanding defensive balance, that they just—hey, dude, you do whatever you want on the boards, and we're all going to be back. You can just do whatever you want. And so the game actually almost starts for them sometimes when the shot goes up, now he can start playing. So I think there's also a really smart conservation of his energy um, in that that's exhausting going after offensive boards. That's exhausting when you're being attacked on ball screens, but he does a great job and a smart job of it all. And I think all of it's about accepting your role and then finding a way to create that role that fits the set. You
0: know, one of the things about him uh, as we're, Continue to talk about him because I think he's worth talking about. I just love talking about the dude. He's got great hands. Like when he goes in a crowd, it's one of those deals where you're like, all right, he's in a crowd, he'll come out with the ball. You know what I mean? He, he, his hands. I mean, he snatches. And hands are such an underrated thing for a rebounder. If your hands touch it, then you go grab it, and next thing you know, you're a better offensive or defensive rebounder. And he's got unbelievable hands. Unbelievable.
1: Ridiculous. You can't. can you, can you teach hands? I don't, I've, I found that there's things you can't teach. You can't oh, teach man. vision and it's you hard. can't teach hands. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is hard. It's a lot, a lot of work, but, but it's, it's, it's not just that he gets his hands on balls is that he must have vice grips in terms of like his hand strength. I'll tell you another guy who's amazing in the series is Andrew Wiggins. And again, oh. he's basically kind of pl- positionally playing the three or the four. Right. But this is the mistake that so many people made about Andrew Wiggins. And I said it at the time of when he was drafted. And I talked to Bill Self about this. And Bill kind of disagreed, but kind of agreed, which is, if Andrew Wiggins is your best player, you're not winning an NBA championship. If he's your second best player, it's going to be tough. But if he's your third or fourth best player, there's no pressure on and he can just go play, just go play. He's amazing. Amazing. I mean, the, the dunk he had last night was otherworldly. That, that's a, that's one of those, Well, that's why he was the number one overall pick sort of dunks. But, I mean, he's, again, bought into defensively, I'm going to be a stopper. You know, he doesn't have to carry the weight of the world in terms of offensively. You got Steph and Clay running all around, uh, attracting all this attention. And again, he can just play. And it's really interesting on how, we all talk about roles and we assume it's you're a score or you're not a score, but that's not really what a role is, right? There's, there's his role is still to score, but Hey man, where well you're not going to be the focal point on it. You're not going to be the top guy in the sky report is Steph Curry. You got to worry. They call him four point shots in the NBA. You got to worry about Steph and four point shots. So now you have to pick him up as soon as he crosses midcourt and then Clay still commands such respect as a shooter. You're not helping off him then he can just kind of go out there and hoop and then play without any sort of, any sort of fear that, Hey, if, if I don't carry this team, we're not going to win. If I'm no, 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 just go play. So the Wiggins trade looks like an absolute, remember a lot of people thought they were trading for Wiggins to move Wiggins to get something else in return. Like, no, that wasn't it. They realized what I think a lot of smart people realize, which is the truth be told they're three best players in the three hall of famers. Draymond just doesn't do it with scoring. And then he becomes their fourth best player, their third best offensive weapon. And there are nights in which he's going to give you 30 and you're going to win by 30. Most nights he's going to give you a 15 to 20 and you got Stephen Clay. And if they get shots, you're going to win by 15. If he's really, really bad on a night, like at least, you know, when you're a, when you're the third best play, third best scorer, if you just defend at the other end, you still have a ton of value there. So I, I think that, that his, um uh, his immersion not immersion his uh he, he's become such a vital part of this thing and people are starting to buy into him and what they miss is that it's about if you're the if you're really a good slot wide receiver don't put him out wide this guy is a slot receiver he's the best third weapon he's not a go-to guy but as a third weapon he's amazing and it's played out as such
0: well, I agree. I mean, again, I was talking earlier about what the Bulls did. People can bitch about Jerry Krause all they want, but he just kept adding pieces to really good players. You know what I mean? Like, and he added really good pieces to really good players. And that's what I see in Wiggins. I want to change it for just a second. Uh, Juwan Howard, are you buying? He turned down the Lakers, and what do the Lakers do? I am buying. They turned down
1: talking to Lakers. I don't know if they would have hired him. I think it would have made some sense there. Um, there's a, there's a power struggle atop the Lakers. Okay. You have LeBron and clutch and their desire to basically run their whole franchise as LeBron ages out of the NBA. Right. And that plan would be hire some sort of coach that, that is either represented by clutch or has a tie to clutch. LeBron continues to play with all his guys, try and fix this lineup. And then you get, you know, Bronnie in a couple years to be on the team as they kind of ride, as the as rides off in the sunset, that's the, the power stroke. Then you have Jeannie bus, um, Rob Polinka. Well, I don't know if Jeannie, Jeannie bus is kind of aligned with herself and Phil and, and their group. And then of course you have, uh, you have Rob Polinka, Who's this is like a make or break year for him to try and fix this thing. Right. Well, Polinka, a Michigan guy. Okay. Polinka a pre-existing relationship with Jawan LeBron has a pre-existing relationship with, with Juwan as a former player. There's the thought that those guys will buy into it more. So I believe that he was, he would be a super smart candidate, but I also believe that he's not an idiot and he knows that's a bad job. That's a bad job because the smart decision in terms of winning basketball games for the next five years is to trade LeBron James simple right to trade LeBron James is to not repeat the same mistake at the end of the Kobe Bryant era. Like we, we'll look back now, but like, Hey, Kobe had 60, his last game he did. It was amazing. Okay. By his own estimation, Kobe Bryant was awful. His last year, awful. It, he, he kept doing it cause he was making a movie cause he was Mamba cause he saw the finish line, but he was awful. And those teams, his last three years were bad because you had a guy who was making max money and it was hard to get people to play with him. And, and, and yet the the expectations were championships and they were bad. So like, what do you think is going to happen? They had 10 teams in the Western conference playoffs this year, 10. Okay. There are only 15 teams in the Western conference. They didn't make the playoffs this year. So will Anthony Davis be healthier? I guess. I mean, Stop me if you heard this before, but Anthony Davis was hurt this year. So, um, but LeBron played enough. Russell Westbrook played all those games. They couldn't make the top 10 of 15 in the NBA, in the Western Conference. So LeBron's going to be a year older. Russell Westbrook's going to be a year older. And they're going to be that much better? Are they going to hire a magician or a coach? I'm not sure how that's going to work right so anyway (laughs) do i believe they wanted to talk to him yes do i believe that he would have been a a prime candidate absolutely do i believe that he turned it down yeah i i do but i also think he wanted that you know he wanted that story out there but like look you get a chance to coach your kids get a chance to coach at michigan they kind of got it going on right now do i think he's only a college coach the rest of his life no he'll coach in the nba right he fits all the profiles of who people want to have as coach in the NBA, only the difference is, unlike some of those other guys, he's been a head coach and a builder. And I think there's a transactional element now to building college teams that is relatable to NBA teams. But yes, I I do believe that. I do believe that story.
0: What happens as we move forward with the Celtics in the heat, Doug? I
1: have no idea. I have no, I have no idea. Stuff? None. I just this one is. <laughs> I, I look, my my. my I, I thought you nailed it. I was watching earlier when you talked about the turnovers for the Celtics. You know, um, I thought it was curious that late in in game what was that what game was just played three? Yeah, game three was that game yeah. four? I'm lost. Yeah, game three that the Celtics went to Derek White instead of Peyton Pritchard late. I, I thought I think I don't think I think Pritchard should get all of Derek White's minutes just because he gives a much more offensive pop and outside of one game, he's been decent defensively. Um, my, 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 my thought coming into the series was that when the Celtics have their best lineup, their best scores are part of that for the heat, they have to bring in a non-defender to score enough, to give enough scoring around Jimmy Bob, right? Max Bruce is decent defensively, but, Tyler Hero, like and if you play you can't play both those guys together because now all of a sudden their defense becomes an issue. I think the Celtics win this series. I think Jimmy Butler having a gimpy knee and them not having a, you know, not having uh enough natural scoring, I think, but Oladipo kind of changes that. Lowry looks a little bit more healthy. And then the up and down health of Robert Williams for the Celtics. Like I just I don't know, like I don't know how healthy Jimmy's knee is. Uh, I don't know how healthy Marcus Smart is, Kyle Lowry. But also, I just—it's really hard to get a sense of this series because in Game One, the Celtics owned the first half. And then all of a sudden, the Heat looked like a different team out of it. Well, then Al Horford didn't play and Marcus Smart didn't play. Then Game Two, they completely run the Heat out of the building. Game Three was competitive, and and the Celtics were so bad out of the game. My guess is this thing goes seven and I think the Celtics win, but I'm, I'm still not, I'm not, the only thing I'm not convinced of is that the new Jason Tatum will remain the new, that, that Jason Tatum in game seven by that. I mean, he's defending better and he is sharing the basketball. Will he do it in a game seven where guys think they're going to make, create their legacies? I, I just, I don't know. I do think the Celtics are a little bit better.
0: Tatum went, you know, he went 10 points, six turnovers. What do you make of that? Like, you know, I I, I don't know. We we act like, uh, Doug, we act like guys from the past, whether it was Jordan or Barkley or Bird, who never had a bad game in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Now, game seven would be a different deal. I get what you're saying, right? But – I remember watching Bird lose to Atlanta in the first game, excuse me, Jordan losing to Atlanta, first game of a playoff series, shooting about five for 50. You know what I mean? I mean, hey, look, now it's yeah. on the kid to come back, right?
1: Yeah. Correct. Correct. It's it's the, it's, it's one, like, but we have to do the same thing when they play great, right? Like, you, you like right. Jimmy Butler right. plays great in game one. And all of a sudden I turn on ESPN, like Jimmy Butler, a top five player. No, but he's a very good player who had a great game. It's, you know, everything's about percentages, right? I mean, it's with all your shows. You're not going to have a great show every day, but in a week, if you have three great shows and you have two, okay, shows, that's a pretty good ratio, right? If you have one, if, it's the same thing If in, in the playoffs. I mean, Jason Tatum had a stinker. If he has two or three stinkers, now it's a problem. If he has a stinker, and yet now, and let's see what happens. I-, I think what's going to be interesting, I always love this. And I-, I don't know if you've ever done this when you prep for a game. When I prep for a game, I try and watch a couple games, but I also try and really watch the start of the first half and the start of the second half. Because start of the first half, you know what the team kind of prepped and what their game plan was, what their points of emphasis were from their coaching staff, right? And the start of the second half, you know what the adjustments were. And so if you don't see any adjustments from first half to second half, well, then they're not either listening or the coach isn't making it. And if you don't see any sort of points of emphasis early in the game, well, that means they're either not locked in on what the coach is saying or the coach is just kind of rolling out the ball and trying to figure it out as they go. For for players, it's much the same. Like, I'd love to see if Jason Tatum feels like he left a bunch of, you know, he left a bunch of meat out there, but a bunch of points out there. My guess would be early in the game, let's see, are they going to get Jason Tatum going, feed Jason Tatum, run everything for Jason Tatum, get his confidence back up. Or, you know, did they come to Jason Tatum like, listen, we know you scored 10. Okay. Here's what we want you to think about to start the game, get everybody else involved. Okay. So that in the fourth quarter, when it really matters, now every, you got it. You got to treat everybody as equals because what Miami is doing honestly is like a college style defense, I mean, you're seeing a ton of zone defenses and what's called loading man-to-man defenses. And a loading man-to-man defense for people who don't understand is you catch the basketball and it's almost like the, the rest of the team is in a zone. Okay. Now in the NBA, you can't be in the lane for three seconds defensively. But on the catch, okay, they're all sliding over and you have the whatever other guard is is at the nail that's in the middle of the free throw line. So they're going against loading defenses and zone defenses. Whereas in the regular season, a lot of it is just like just guard your yard and switch, you know, last 10 seconds or whatever, switch like screens and you know, we'll figure out ball screen coverage. So how he adjusts to it, I think is going to be fascinating. What the Celtics coaching staff has told him, and here's the biggest difference is, those guys tuned out Brad, okay? Brad knew it, everybody knew it. We could, they could write a book on why, I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think some of it's the guys, some of it's Brad, some of it's decisions that they made. Some of it is this, this, the pushback, you know, from society. You need a coach that that played the game, et cetera, et cetera. But they tuned out Brad. The change in this team, right? If you remember, Marcus Smart, early in the season, called out Brown, called out Tatum about playing defense and sharing the basketball. So I'm going to be interested to see whatever they've told him, Whatever they said, hey, here's our points of emphasis. Here's what you need to think about. You will know in the first five minutes. If he's just chucking, if they're just running things for him, they probably felt like his confidence got down or whatever. But my guess is that they're going to get him to some smart places. And just like game seven uh, in the last series where he found wide open Grant Williams because they're helping off Grant Williams, my guess is he tries to get everybody else involved in the first five minutes or so so that in the fourth quarter – He can be superstar Jason Tatum. That's how I'm watching this game. That's the only thing I can kind of try and pinpoint is how Tatum plays, how he's used, and what they're telling him in between games and in between halves.
0: I got to tell you, if I'm coaching Tatum, I'm putting him on the block for about a mid post because one thing I've really liked, I mean, I've really liked, particularly with Oladipo in the game, is – I'm quicker than you. I'm going to get into you. You mentioned college-style defense. I'm quicker than you. I'm going to get into you. Now, everybody else is loaded up, no question about it. But, damn, that second half, there was nowhere to run. No one no one had an angle. No one had nothing. I can't let you go. i got to ask you this because this is starting to make me crazy. The Cleveland Browns now are trying to push for something with Deshaun Watson. In your opinion, Doug, what happens with Deshaun Watson? Does he start the season on the field?
1: I mean, he shouldn't, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you, on one hand, say that these things are important in terms of our image of our team. And yet, a guy who has these 22 civil suits, and I don't know the validity of all of them, most of them, but there's obviously a pattern there, Okay. I just, I don't know how you champion this guy and I can only use, and I know it's a different, different context and different scenario, but Trevor Bauer is never going to play baseball ever again. He's done like that. He he's done because n- no, one's going to put a pitcher out there that punched and punched a woman and admitted to it. Right. Whatever she wanted or whatever, like, I mean, it's just that, that, that the crimes against women for years have been so severe and yet the punishment has been so light that this is a, this is a reckoning. How do you, as football, when you're supposed to be the leader of all this, right? Football is the healthiest financially. I just, I, I don't, I don't think it's worth it for the league to look that hypocritical. My guess would be he'll have a lengthy suspension, maybe an entire season, They'll kind of appeal it, it'll be dialed back somewhere in the half a season sort of variety. But I mean, again, I don't I I don't wish ill will on Deshaun, and but I'm just gonna tell you, like, I, I don't know how we, the, the Browns acted so callously in in how they've approached this whole thing, arrogantly to think like it's gonna get done, it's gonna be fine. Like the details come out of a woman. Who gave a massage was crying afterwards and him apologizing. Again, it doesn't mean that she was out and out assaulted, but like I, I, I've I've had plenty of people work on my body. I don't believe anyone's ever cried. And I, you know, my body at times could give you plenty of things to cry, right? Like, no, I'm talking about working on my body like <laughs> right. as a masseuse or as a chiropractor. Have you ever had somebody cry? No. <laughs>
0: No, like look, I, and I got this going on. Like I got this face. I walk in with this. Well, you got your face down. Of course, course down people and shouldn't you know, cry. No. Over
1: you and they're, they're no. You, whatever.
0: no, no, no. One, you, can I ask you a question? This this one this one. I can ask
1: you a question. I I got to go one second, but I can I ask you a question. This Tim Williams thing. Yeah. Okay. I my brain is gonna explode. So let me. So he calls himself. The new Jackie Robinson, right? He anoints himself three years yeah. ago, and he said it again this year. I'm the new Jackie Robinson. Okay. So, because I'm going to bring fun yeah. to baseball, whatever, which I don't think that's the characterization of Jackie Robinson that everybody else has, but whatever, you do you, boo. Okay? So he calls himself the new Jackie Robinson. And then Josh Allson obviously these dudes don't like each other. He calls him, hey, Jackie. And now it's now he, Josh Johnson's a racist. I don't, under, I don't understand. What is, I, I, what, is negative, what is the negative connotation of Jackie Robinson? Not just one of the greatest baseball players of all time, one of the greatest athletes and humanitarians of all time. When the guy calls himself the next Robinson? like, help me. How have we gotten to this place? We all know you and I know there are words and places that you just can't go. And dudes do it in private, right? When they're busting each other's chops in the locker room and, you know, you the, the old racial humor of locker rooms of the past, you know, when, when, when brothers would call you cracker or, you know, make, make fun of some, you know, some sort of stereotype, whatever, like those days, I get it. They're gone. Understood. Okay. We got to evolve our language as a society and that's deemed as unacceptable. Okay. But we're the point where a guy calls himself the new Jackie Robinson and you mess with him and call him Jackie and you are it. Like that one, I, that one, that one's hard for me because it's like, you got to Like every conversation I go into, you got to print up your offensive words and language on your shirt so that I know, because that one it's like, no, no, no. I, I called you, I called you double D. Well, no, no, hold on. Double D is a, is a double entendre could mean something about women's breast yeah. size I can't, that might offend people because people are friended by talking about breasts. I guess, th- am I not allowed to call you double D anymore? Please let me know. I help help me. My brain is going to explode. I'm a very logical person. I'm a reasonable person, right? Yeah. You get made out to be, and the crazy <laughs> part about it is like you get made. I grew up in a, I'm a I'm a I, I'm a center left guy. I've always been a center left guy. You get made to feel like you're the biggest right winger on earth. But I'm like, wait, no. He calls himself to do Jackie Robinson. You bust his shops like, hey, Jackie, like you're a race. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. How
0: have we gotten to this place? None. Dan? Help me. I I cannot help you. I, I know this. I know this. I know that. Uh, victimhood sells. I mean, if you can, I don't know. I don't know what Tim Anderson's trying to do. I don't know why Josh Donaldson uh, dislikes him or liked him, whether they did this in the past, whether, I have no idea, but I got to tell you, to your point, to your point, I say it all the time on every show that I do. Hey, I don't know if this is offensive or not, but I really like Doug Gottlieb. Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to say that Hey, man, Doug Gottlieb is wearing a hat that I like or dislike. I don't know. Doug, let me me throw something else at you. I'm sure you know a ton of Major League Baseball players. Major League Baseball, that season is so long, we all understand offensive language isn't to be tolerated, and you did a great job of explaining what is no longer. But damn, of all the things said in a baseball locker room, are you crapping me? Baseball is the worst with just guys on each other's ass. Basketball is good, but baseball—you—you you just got double the games and double the time together. You're on the road. Come on.
1: Come it's on. it's 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 entirely about that. I mean, baseball is like one of the great things about baseball movies. You know, from a league of their own yes. to to, uh, to to major league is all the chatter and all the talk. And all the ball busting, right? Like I don't know. We just, I don't know. I now, I, now somebody. I, I, hey,
0: I always, I always have to caveat it, Doug. I always have to caveat it. Well, you know, Dawkins and Gottlieb are together, so those two guys, of course, you know, of course, they're into ball busting. Look, we've already said we understand the world has evolved past what used to be acceptable. Doug was very eloquent what? with it, but I know how this. I know how this goes, man. Oh, geez, these guys accept it. They don't understand. Okay, fine, we're just trying to, we're trying to understand, let's go that route. We're trying to understand.
1: No, I, I just, I, don't I, I, I think I think it's so disingenuous is, is the point that, that you're pointing out, right? It's just so disingenuous to act like suddenly you're offended by something like, come on, man. Like, I, again, I can, you have to take so many steps to make that into some something racial, that's like, why are we? Why does that become the default, right? Why does that become the default? And the, the truth is, like these two teams have beef, and part of the way he plays is flamboyant, and there's the, the the constant back and forth in baseball and how baseball wants to be played in terms of the old school fashion and the new school and the kind of the new school mentality. But the truth is that this new school mentality has existed in baseball for. Probably as long as baseballs existed, right? There's always going to be the, should I bat flip? Can you throw at somebody? You know all the all these different things. Um, so I just this one jumped out at me, where you're like, it, it it's not it's not different from, from Nick Wright on well, I guess it was Friday, you know talking about the reason that name, image, and likeness didn't exist and that scholarships existed the way they existed was because white administrators and coaches were stealing money from young black men. Like, okay, you've been a college coach, a head coach, you've been an assistant coach, you've been a player. My dad was a coach, my brother's a coach, I've been a player, I've been around him. And what's offensive to me is we create this, like everything is racial mentality when the reality is actually the opposite, okay? The opposite is what every coach I've ever been around in college athletics, they want to help the kids go from where they were to some sort of great life, hopefully within basketball and hopefully while they play for them. But like, that's the whole purpose of the deal. And like administrators, they don't make any money. Oh, well, why do you spread out the money to all these other sports? Because of title IX, because you have to, right? It was up to the administrators and the coaches. They would have 150 players on scholarship for football. That's what they would do. Why don't they? Because whatever number of scholarships you have for football, you got to have to have for a woman's sport, which doesn't make any money, right? That's Title IX. Do a little bit of research on it. So I actually think we're to the point now where I didn't believe previously athletes were being exploited. I think now they're going to be terribly exploited. You know, I had I had drinks with a, uh, with a, w- with a pretty high-level football coach uh, earlier this, last week, and he was like, it's going to be bad. I go, uh, well, everybody thinks it's going to be great. Cause all these kids are getting paid. Like, yeah, well, now they get paid. Now we can cut them. We can just run them off. It's not like they're getting life changing. It's not like they're getting life changing money or anything, you know? So um, yeah, I just, I, I think that what, what, when our default for everything becomes racism, it's like, we need to kind of check ourselves. I'm not sitting here telling you that there's not racism Deep in the roots of some of the things that happen in the world. Okay. But for the most part, things are what they are and there's logic behind them, right? That Josh Donaldson called him Jackie, Ro- Jackie, because the guy calls himself Jackie. I'm new, Jackie Robinson. Okay, Jackie, like I'm messing with you. You know, I just, I don't know how we, be- this became our default for everything.
0: Barkley, Barkley came, Barkley's always said this. Charles came on my show and, you know, he's he's a, he's a defender of scholarships. He also, like I think you and I and everybody else, you know, they're great, pay players. But he made the comment, he goes, you know, the greatest thing, and I think maybe you tweeted this out, the greatest thing other than the GI Bill, you know, has been academic, or excuse me, athletic scholarships for African Americans. That's what Barkley has always said. And, you know, I... Doug, one of the things that I get frustrated with, and and I'm anxious to see this, five five years, 10 years ago, when people criticized college athletics, what did they criticize? They criticized graduation rates. So now the graduation rates of basketball and football are at 83%. You know, they're higher than anybody in the student. So now we're gone totally away from that. We're paying. That's fine. But I don't believe – I think it's hard. It's got to be hard unless these educa- unless these institutions aren't doing their job. It's got to be hard to go to three schools in four years and get your degree. So I'm telling you, in five years – in a year, one thing is going to be a big deal if it isn't already, and that's tampering. But in five years, we're going to see graduation rates, and I'm anxious to see where they are and how much people bitch about them, Doug.
1: Well, like you have an example of – some coaches you know players like hey i want to get my degree so i can transfer i got to take extra summer school courses like what do you do if you're the you're the coach of the university they're at like wait right. so i'm supposed to pay for you right to go to summer school and by the way like for people don't don't know this like summer school is one of the all-time boondoggles in making money right the more courses you take the more money you get like there's like a loophole in terms of your scholarship check so i can take you know 18 hours and then a couple other hours in the summer graduate and then leave that school and go to another school. Like that's dirty, dirty. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested in like, we've completely dismissed how hard it is to get in these schools, let alone to just transfer school to school and then assimilate to their culture. Like, I think, uh, uh I think Gary Barta actually nailed it. Like, look, you want transfer? No problem. Transfer got to sit a year. It's a non-compete clause. We want to. Act, we want to act like. Well, this doesn't happen in business. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Sure, it does. You know, Dan Doctors works for one hundred and seven point five. If he decides to go across the street and work for somebody else in Indy, he can't work as that's long as right. he has that non-compete clause. That's that's the way business actually right. works. You know, business actually works. So if that's they right. want to, if we want to be businessmen, let's be businessmen. Um, I'm not against. You know, if this is the way we want to work, where a kid plays great and he can become a spokesperson for a place, awesome. Okay, but how can you have a name, image, likeness when you haven't played it down right. at a school? Like, that doesn't that doesn't? I was more than that. Like, somebody clear that up for me. Like, that's not name, image, and likeness. I, that's maybe. buying players. You know, and like Jimbo, like, You didn't buy. Yeah, you, did. you bought players. Okay, if you didn't break any rules.
0: But you bought players. Okay. And so and figure you know. out the rules. I mean, look, I, how many coaches tell you they don't know the rules?
1: They all know the rules. They all know them. Huh? They know them by heart. They all they know them by heart, they know the loopholes. <laughs> they know the ones they <laughs> like, the ones they don't like. <laughs> so. uh, all right, Double uh, D. We we we, we, exactly. we the proverbial forest down. What's that? We burned the proverbial forest down. I, uh, um, I, I like the Celtics tonight, the Celtics th- in the series, and I, I think the Warriors, uh, Warriors sweep.
0: Hey, go do something more fun. Thanks for the time, brother. I kept you a long time. I'll talk to you. Thanks. Thanks. Nothing's more fun. <laughs> He's the best. I'm telling you, Doug Gottlieb. I listen to him every afternoon on my way home. He got to go. All right, we'll be right back. We went over. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. Uh, And I ain't mad about it. I actually had a thrill happen to me yesterday. Ferguson Jenkins. When I was a kid, Fergie Jenkins was the man. Like, when I was a kid, my two favorite athletes, one was Bob Love, number 10, for the Chicago Bulls. I wore number 10 on every uniform ever ever, until I went to college and they gave me number 11. Fergie Jenkins was the pitcher of the Cubs, and I loved him, man. He had this wind-up, and Fergie Jenkins actually tweeted at me yesterday. He tweeted at me muscles, because I said, look, congratulations, Fergie Jenkins, on getting a statue at Wrigley Field, and I ain't going to lie to you. Fergie Jenkins... Deserved a statue way back when, man. Fergie Jenkins led the league in strikeouts, six straight 20-win seasons, longest streak in the majors. I mean, my man Fergie Jenkins went out there every damn day and pitched every day. And when I say every day, I mean every damn day. He went 24-13. and In 1969, listen to this, 1971, Fergie Jenkins threw a complete game in 30 of 39 starts, received a a decision in 37 of them, 24 and 13. He walked, listen to this, only, you're not going to believe this, he walked only 37 batters in 260, with 263 strikeouts in 325 innings. You can't get these slaps now to pitch more than five innings. Yesterday, Michael Kopech, who I think is terrific, went his longest outing, seven innings. Yay, Michael Kopech. It's unbelievable. Fergie Jenkins was the first cup pitcher in 71 to win the Cy Young, first Canadian to win the Cy Young. My God. I don't like Fergie Jenkins. I am a massive fan I tried to pitch like him. I tried to be cool like him. If that man did it, I was trying to do it as a pitcher. I can still remember the windup, A little slow foot forward. Oh, I'm so happy Ferguson Jenkins got a statue outside of Wrigley Field. I'm so happy, in fact, next time at, I'm at Wrigley, I'm taking a picture with it. I love that man. He's 79 years old. I think he's terrific. He's one of my idols. He and Bob Love. To this day, I wouldn't be able to speak if I saw either of them. Bob Love, number 10, shot it like this behind his head. Love him. Look him up. Love him. Every day in the newspaper, how many Bob Love get last night? Oh, he got 25. All right. I don't know why. I just did. Hey, I ain't mad about the Mavericks getting fined $100,000 for bench decorum. Look, you and I both know we like the Mavericks. We think the Mavericks are good. You and I both know if you watch this show, I like benches that are up and loud. But see that white shirt? Man, the other day, the Warriors threw the ball to the white shirt. Warriors were in white. It was turnover. They're on the court. I like it. I ain't mad about it. And Mark Cuban's a billionaire, right? So Mark Cuban's going to pay 100000 None of these guys on the bench are going to have to pay any of it. I ain't mad about that either. Look, let's be honest. If you're a professional sports team or a college sports team or a softball team, baseball, I want enthusiasm. I want enthusiasm on this show. Hey, that's why I like the YouTube chat. The YouTube chat guys on this show, they always got something to say. They do. They're always rocking and rolling. There's always some ish going on. I like me some ish. So I ain't mad about them. I ain't mad about the NBA fining them either. I ain't mad about it even a little bit. Fine them. Shoot, if they're not doing what you want them to do, fine them. I ain't mad about that. But, but, if you're the Mavericks, you got to play better. Don't you? I mean, you just got to play better. Appreciate you guys, Jason Cox and the rest of you. You love my show, but the Cubs suck. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I ain't mad at that either. You're right. You ain't wrong. You're right. You're right. You, uh, to quote my friend, you right. All right. Uh, I ain't mad about Delaware state's team getting pissed off their women's lacrosse team. And I ain't mad about Delaware State filing a civil rights complaint against the state of Georgia and their police officers for a search. Look, you're on a team bus. And maybe they didn't know the cops didn't know it was a team bus. But you get on a team bus, everybody's wearing their merch, everybody on a team bus is wearing a Delaware State something. So these guys in Georgia decide, well, you know what? We're going to search the bus. Now, that's crap. Let me ask you, why are you searching the bus? And here's the deal. Well, you know, we're looking for whatever. Okay, fine. Hey, OutKick, I'm you know, fine. You're, you're, you're looking for something. What'd you find? Nothing. You pulled the bus over. You didn't even get to, you did not even give the bus driver a warning. So what'd you pull the bus over for? Like an illegal turn or something. Yeah, a, You know what? In the st- I wouldn't be mad about it if in the state of Indiana we pulled everybody over for illegal turns or for being in the left lane or for driving like idiots. But all of a sudden, in a corridor in Georgia, you got a bus here. For whatever the reason, you're going to pull it over. You're going to search these young ladies, and they're sitting there going, what the hell are we doing? I thought this was 2022. Look, I don't defend everything, and I usually defend the police ad nauseum. But I'm not mad about. I'm not. I am not mad about the Delaware Attorney General and the Delaware NAACP and the state of Delaware civil rights folks filing a complaint about this. I think they called it dubious. Man. There's some stuff. I know that's crap. I get it. But this, this is just, you know, if I were driving down and I always try to put myself in this position. If I were driving on my team bus and we had long drives at Bowling Green and all of a sudden police pulled me over and my man Sonny was driving. i would be Sonny. Why are they pulling us over? I don't know. So they come on the bus and all of a sudden they make everybody get out. Everybody's got to go underneath. Everyone's got to go do the thing, you know, show their bag, do all this. I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa what the hell are we doing? We're a team bus. Why, why are you stopping us? Well, we want to see whatever. What? See, I, I, I try to do that. I, I know. I know. The, the bus driver broke the law by staying in the left lane. Uh, pull him over, look in, go, hey, man, get out of left lane. You're causing problems. That's what they did with some lady here in Indiana a few years ago. Hell, I had the cop on my show. She had started a big backup. So if it was a left lane, pull the bus over, get your ass over. But then all of a sudden, here's exactly what happened, and you know it did. They saw a bunch of African-American women. They decided, well, wait a second. We can cause a little problem here. I'm all in on cops, but that ain't right. Yeah, all of a sudden, I hate cops. I got a family that are cops and prosecutors. Anybody that knows me knows I love the police force. I don't usually complain about them, but this seemed wrong. And I don't blame You know, you got to stand up sometimes. You just do. Uh, Tim Anderson. We just talked about it with Doug Gottlieb. You know, I ain't mad at Tim Anderson, if that's how he felt, because he knows the history of Josh, uh, what's-his-face, Donaldson. And I ain't mad at Josh Donaldson. Look, here's the deal. If you put in the paper, all right, if you put in the paper, hey, look, I'm just a jackass. Yeah, I'm a great player, but I'm just, hey, I'm just a jackass. You know what's going to happen the next day? People are going to call you, hey, jackass. They just are. You know what I mean? So Tim Anderson calls himself Jackie Robinson. Calls himself Jackie Robinson. So some guy, I don't know whether Donaldson likes him or not. Donaldson said he's mentioned this before. Calls him Jackie. So now all of a sudden this is racist, and this is something. Here's the dangerous part with this. Donaldson can never get out from under this. Check his Wikipedia page out in two years or even right now. You know, I guess if Tim Anderson knew the history of Donaldson and he didn't like it and he thought he was racist, I guess you'd go with that. But the truth of the matter is I don't give a damn. a hey, Baldy, people call me that all the time. I mean, go on the YouTube chat right now. You know what I mean? So anyway, yeah, I know, uh, I, I understand, but I also understand this. Everybody's trying like hell to be a victim. I mean, everybody. My wife went to a meeting. She works at a store in the mall. I'm not going to say the name of the store because I really like the I, I really like the stuff for my wife. I give it as gifts because my wife gets half off. But they're sitting in a meeting last night. And it's a kumbaya meeting. It's a sales meeting, right? And everybody, there is a team building, they're going to give everybody a card, and everybody's going to talk about something that people don't know about me. And about halfway through, as everyone's bitching, right? Well, I don't like when people call me fat, whatever whatever the deal is. Apparently, my wife said, hey, can we make these positive, too? Like, some people don't know about me is I like to help people. I like this job because I like to help people. But we have such a victim mentality that everything that happens, we have to go to the victim status. You think I like looking like this? You think I think you think that I look in the mirror, I just shaved my head this morning, and I put a nice, uh, I don't know, balm on it or whatever the hell it is because my friend Reggie Jones told me I had to. But, man, oh, man, everything's got to be a victim. Everyone... if Hey, look, if Tim Anderson thinks Josh Donaldson's a racist, then he ought to come on set. Look, this isn't the first time. This guy's bothered me before with this crap. Away he goes. See, part of me, I live in the real world. Uh, I I live in the real world. Connie Connie Harris, and maybe this is true, Connie. Uh, Connie, you can't see inside most charter bus windows. Bus sits high, windows are heavy. Uh, Jim Reed says, did the players and everyone on the bus start giving the cops attitude? I don't know. I don't know. It is hard to believe cops would be that stupid in this day and age, but it also, you know, I don't know. All I said was I don't blame Delaware State for filing a complaint. They didn't file charges. They filed a complaint. They want it looked into. I don't blame them. Hey, I don't. I'm usually 99.99999% with cops, but I don't blame them. And if the cops did something right, then the complaint will have no merit. That's it. It's on a dash cam. They'll figure it out, but I don't blame them. If you feel that way, hey. But I will tell you this, man. Uh, and it, it is not just it is not just racial that people are victims. People are victims about everything. Twenty years ago, he said to me that I was this. Yeah, well, so what? Get over it. You know what? Another thing. I was talking to a person. I was a friend. My, a friend of my wife's, a psychologist. Psychologist, is that right? And one of the things she said really struck me. You know what? It's okay to be okay. Like we so celebrate people that are whacked out, right? We so celebrate all that stuff. We so celebrate, hey man, you know, uh, we gotta, you know, it, 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 we, we gotta make sure it, it's okay to not be okay, and all this stuff. And that's great. I'm all for it. But the truth of the matter is, it is also okay to be okay. It's okay to be have your stuff together. It's okay. I mean, I know we act like it's not okay, but it's okay to have your life together. It's actually really good and should be celebrated. I understand we want to celebrate everybody that's not okay, and oh, my God, 10 years ago, this person said this to me, and I can't believe it. I can't get a Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. It's okay to be okay. Hey, I'll tell you something else I ain't mad about. Uh, we had a record. Scott Dixon, I live here in India, and I'm going to talk about this today on my show. I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff today on my show. But one of the things that I want to talk about is Scott Dixon setting the all-time poll record at 234 miles an hour. The all-time record Scott Dixon did not set, that was set by, uh, shoot, uh, who the hell set it? I can't remember. I've lost my mind here. I have it. I wrote it. I can't find it. But Scotty Dixon, for a poll, It's the fastest ever, and I am all in on it, baby. Yeah, I am all in on it. I love it. I think it's awesome. I don't know where we have it here. Did I miss this? I must have missed this somewhere. Uh, I ain't mad at Charles Barkley coming in on a damn uh, horse last night. You see Scotty Dixon right there. I hope Scott Dixon wins the 500. I'm a big fan. Whenever He lives in Indy. Whenever he comes on my show, he's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. So we had the fastest run ever. Everybody is excited for the 500. And what do we like when we go to the race? We like speed. Hey, let's show Barkley coming in on a horse last night. All right, thank you for that. Here, Barkley comes in last night on a horse. This is the great, I text him, I go, Charles, that's freaking unbelievable. He goes, oh, it's awesome. How about Charles coming in on a horse? Now, we couldn't send you the TNT because of all those copyrights and stuff, but Charles Barkley coming in on a horse is magnificent last night in Dallas. That might be the best video I've ever seen of an announcer. And the funniest part, if you see the video from TNT, is how everybody in that studio calls it. Hey, man, he is not going to be able to swing his right leg over that horse. And Shaq is yelling for Barkley to fall. He's yelling for him to fall. This is the greatest entrance in the history of broadcasting. There have been some entrances, but there is none better than that. For the NBA East or Western Conference Final, Charles Barkley riding in on a horse is fantastic. It's so good. I hope he does it every game. I do. I hope he does it absolutely every game. I hope Sage Steele rides in on a horse when she gets healthy. And by the way, I was texting with Sage. I feel bad. I'm like, hey, don't you have any hands? I didn't realize, man, she got smacked. My apologies to Sage Steele. Holy smokes. But anyway, man, she got hit pretty good. I guess the ball hit her 180 miles an hour right in the face. Oh man. I just thought it hit her. I didn't know it was that egregious. Man. Uh when we come back, we got some mean tweets. Some of you guys aren't so nice to me. What the hell's that about? Some of you guys are mean to me. I'm a victim. I I get called ball. I get called ugly. I get called uh, stupid. I get called left-wing crazy guy. Right wing. Which one am I? I never remember which wing am I. Am I right wing or am I left wing or am I middle left, middle right, a centrist? I think I'm just common sense. I think I'm like most of you, right? We got mean tweets and ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, the folks at Best Buy, salute, because the folks at Best Buy decided, hey, we're not letting you rob our joint. We're going to throw some hands. That's right. We're going to throw some hands. We're going to tackle you. And we got another video. Mean tweets, Best Buy, some bets tonight. Let's do it when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Look, I've never done ads for Best Buy, but I would. I would. reason I'm wearing my shirt is because i got to go film a video right outside my house immediately after. So if Best Buy wants me to do ads for them, you know I'm all in, man. I am. And here's why. Hey, Dylan, Ryan, Corey, let's roll it. Here we go. Oh, yeah. The folks at Best Buy ain't messing around. I love every minute of it. Let's put them on blast. Yeah. Look at her. She's in a stance. Oh, how good is that? How good is that? A guy might get away. I don't care. But Best Buy Oklahoma drills. Can you imagine... That's like a sport. Seriously, that should be a sport. I've said it before, I've said it again. You know, hey, look, at our place, uh, we're gonna have a metal detector. So I'm not, you know, they should do it at Athleta. Athleta in the mall here in Indianapolis, that's where my wife works, they don't allow you to stop shoplifters. Why? Because you'll be deemed racist. It's true. Uh, it's true. You'll be deemed racist, or or any injury somehow, some way comes back on you. If I were athletic, I'd go the other way. I'd go this way. I'd put two, and I'd and I'd put a guard, not a guard, but a plain clothes guy, a guy like that. I'd hire some college guys. To say, all right, here's the deal. Uh, we're gonna put two metal detectors in. All right. Everybody coming in, going through a metal detector. You got a gun, you can't come in. Put a sign, and then I'd put people around. And I don't give a damn if you're starting. And this is what this is actually what happened. My wife has seen this. People stand it's, it's African American, it's white, it's both. Stuffing stuff into their bag and walking out. You, you're not allowed to do anything. I don't know why, but you're not. All right? Uh-uh. I'd go Best Buy. I'd have video all over the store. I'd have video of people putting stuff in their bag, and then I'd have video of people tackling. There is not a respectable jury in the world that's going to convict you. I'd have guys out there breaking down. We'd have drills. It'd be fun. And we would tell them, this is what we're going to do. And then we'd listen to everybody bitch, whine, and moan, and that'd be fine. But I don't. I've not heard, and I don't think anybody has. And I'll try to research it today, uh, and, and maybe Dylan or any of you guys, if you're in my ear, you can tell me. But I don't think I've heard uh, of one person at Best Buy. And we've shown three different videos now. I don't think I've heard one per- one person that's been arrested that's tackled folks. Hey man, you come into Atlanta, you want to steal our stuff? Boom! Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Hey, I ain't mad at but I ain't mad about that. I don't think you should be either. I think you should be cat and mouse. Like if you come in to steal stuff, you should wear pads. And maybe I give you this is back in the day, but if you're old as me, you got J pads on your arms and you used to have to block like this. Now you got hand pads, you do a little infighting. I'd go to local gym, hire guys at 20 bucks an hour, say, hey look, you're our security guard. We ain't letting people steal. You can tackle them. Just like Best Buy. Hell yes. (laughs) Oh, that'd be awesome. All right. Here we go. You guys hurt my feelings. My feelings get hurt. You guys send me mean tweets. (laughs) Dylan says they probably have to go to the hospital before jail. They get popped. By employees, uh, hey, Millette, underscore, TJ. Maybe if Dan didn't yell, we would listen. Hey, man, I don't yell. I speak with my outside voice all the time. Millette underscore TJ. So we'll just flip that around. TJ Millette, I bring an enthusiasm unknown, uh, I bring an enthusiasm greater and stronger than anyone in the history of mankind, and I do it every day from 9 to 11. So TJ Millette, I will try to speak softer, you soft little. I will try to speak in a manner with which you are comfortable. TJ, I will try to appease you, little TJ, because of all the things in the world, TJ. Of all the things going on, you're mad about a man that has too much enthusiasm. I do yell a little bit. I was actually watching the show the other day, and I thought, you know what? I saw this tweet, and I'm like, I think TJ might be right. I do. I think he might be right. I think I need to tone it down a little so I'm going to tone it down. Speak to you like we're speaking at the dinner table. No, that ain't happening. All right. So TJ, uh, what's, what's, what's next? <laughs> There's mean tweets. Oh, at Slade Western, D of double D. Are you allowed to call me double D? Isn't that a sexist term? Isn't that a sexist term that, oh, I don't know. We can call call offensive to women. Well, you got to understand something about Slade Western. First off, Slade Western isn't a real person. Slade Western has zero followers. According to this, Slade Western uh, tweets a lot about dogs. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's weird, but still funny. You put the word journalist and integrity in the same sentence. Uh Uh-oh, that's an actual tweet from Slade Western. I think I now like Slade Western. Whenever you say something like that, holy smokes, Slade Western, you're my boy, Blue, or my girl, either one, don't know. I only have two. I only have boy and girl. I'm sorry, I can't go down the list of all the things that you want to call yourself. But I got boy, I got girl. I got man, I got woman. That's all I got, Slade. That's it. So if that's incoherent gibberish, God bless you and God bless America. But Slade Western, I'm not mad at you. I'm not. Um, yeah. I also like the fact that Slade Western uh goes back and forth with people. I do. I do. Slade Western, I ain't mad at you. Keep them coming. All right, where's the next one? Slade Western. Dockich is so, is unbelievable, sto- it. wait, Dan Dockich is unbelievable, so stupid sounding, not a bit funny or knowledgeable. I am very dumb. I do sound stupid. It is my Northwest Indiana, Chicagoland, these, them, and those voices. But I would say this, I would say Dan Dockich is either unbelievable, comma, so stupid sounding, not a bit funny or knowledgeable. I'm not mad at you, Jim Dolly, for saying that. It just shows what a moron you are. It just shows what a hater you are. You know what, Jim Dolly? I think you're racist. That's right. I said it. I meant it. Yeah. Your name Jim Dolly, A.K.A. Jim Grant. You know what else? He called Roy Blunt an idiot. Yeah, I don't think Jim Dolly is really a person. Jim, his name is Jim Grant. He says, "I want to give Will Smith the finger." I don't think Jim Jim Dolly fifteen is a real person. He's following seven people. Uh. The Kansas City Royals, Greg Cody, Miami Herald. Yeah, I, don't, I think he's a bot. Jim Dolly, you're a bot. You're not real people. I don't respond to real people. That's right. I don't respond, Jim Dolly, and I'm yelling. That's right, I am. <laughs> what are you going to do? I used to argue with these people. It, 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 what is wrong with me? Like, I would have come back and said something snide if you went a year ago. I would have been, um, I don't know, two years ago I'd have been ripping them, and ESPN would have been calling me. Yeah, I think I'm really funny. I do. I think I'm unbelievable, I agree. So stupid sounding. Oh, I agree with that. Knowledgeable, don't even at me, people. The knowledge is off the chain, yo. What else you fools have for me? What else you guys got? Don't be damp. Well, this guy, Matthias, he's taking Mike Woodson's little influencer daughter, who's like 31 years old. She's an influencer. I'm an influencer. (laughs) Uh, So Mike Woodson's little daughter uh, is an influencer. And I was all over the Indiana Hoosiers, my school, for being soft as a baby's ass about um, losing and losing big in the NCAA tournament. So Mike Woodson's little influencer daughter, she's 31 years old and she's an influencer. I'm an influencer. (laughs) She said, don't be Dan. Don't be Dan. So... This guy here, this Matthias guy, he's always on my ass every day. I mean, to the point where I'm like, Mom, is that you? Mom, could that be you? And one of the things that little Mariah, I think her name is Mariah, said was, Don't be Dan. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't be me. Hell, uh, getting ready to give about 500 bikes away, getting ready to, well, never mind. Anyway. Don't be Dan, this Matthias guy says. JW Braves Matthias. I'm not going to be Dan. This dude, there are two Twitter handles that are, um, you got to see this. This is interesting. There are two Twitter handles that are devoted, and I take this as a compliment. So this guy, John Matthias at JWM, his Twitter handle is literally me. Like, literally, me. There's another guy. Uh, He goes by Larry Cowan. Everything at Larry Cowan is me. Rex Hampton, me. Uh, Dockage is scared to death of a mask. Okay. All right. Why do you care, dumbass? I don't know. But this guy is taking this from a 31-year-old influencer. I'm an influencer. I should wear tight shirts like girls wear tight dresses and be an influencer. (laughs) Damn. What's your job? Influencer. All right. All right. Hey, JWM Braves Mathis, I would never say this on Twitter, but up yours. What's next, boys? We got any more? Uh, Rebooted Drew. Drew. You'd have to pay me to interact with dockets. No, we wouldn't, and I don't want you entering anything. Uh, Rebooted Drew, I've looked you up. You got nothing. See, this is in reference to we are doing in our um, on my show here on this uh, on my show on June twenty second. We're doing a meet, not a meet and greet. We're doing a show. It's going to be fun. We're going to do a show where we're all there. And rebooted Drew. Uh, is sad. Rebooted Drew is what he is. He's about, I don't know, 20 years old. Uh, you know, and he's mad about everything. But Rebooted Drew doesn't like my talk show in Indianapolis. You'd have to pay me to get me to interact with Dockets. You know what? I ain't paying you. I don't want to interact with you. This is the most interaction we'll get. And he listens every day. What are you going to do? But anyway, if you want to go to the event, go to 107.5 The Fan. It's right there. It is. Rebooted Drew. I'm mad at Dockage. I don't like Dockage. Dockage me. Dockage doesn't love my Colts. He doesn't love the Colts. Dockage me. All right, we got any more? I like these. I think these are fun. He mean to me. Rebooted Drew. You know, one of the things that I got to do, and I think you all would agree with this, is I got to do something crazy to get my, uh, my friends at the Indy Star, uh, this writer Dana something something, I got to do something to get her mad at me. So there's another article out. Every single time, every time they write an article, My ratings go way up. We're about due. She tried to write a little article about something that was so ridiculous. I need something. So what I'm going to do today is, if you would like to, give me something that I can say controversial around the state of Indianapolis, or maybe national, that would get the Indy Star to write a little article about us. I need that. It's one of the great things. My kids and I, we'd laugh when they get mad at us. But if you have any, anything, anything that you think, all right, anything that you think I should be all over to get myself in trouble, in quote trouble, because some, you know, some little newspaper that nobody reads gets mad. I want to know what you think it is. That's right. That's right. Guys are mad. This show can't even be original. Yeah, I don't want to tell you. I don't know. If you don't like the show, don't watch. It ain't no big deal to me. Uh, Dan, got to see how the field shakes up. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I will say this. One thing I did want to talk about. Early voting won the Preakness, right? So early voting wins the Preakness. And it was a really good race. It was a fun race to watch. But you know how in sports... There are just some guys and some teams that just can't win. Like the Detroit Lions haven't been in the playoffs in like 30 years, right? The Sacramento Kings were good. When was that? Early 2000s. But they haven't won a thing. Like you can go through every sport. Like where are the Pittsburgh Pirates since 1979? Well, That's what I see in horse racing this year with this horse called Epicenter. If you watch the race, and really, um, not the Kentucky Derby, really, because the horse that won the Kentucky Derby was still going fast, and Epicenter wasn't exactly closing. But there are just some teams in sports. In college football, they used to call it Clemsoning, right? They used to call it Clemsoning. They used to say, hey, uh, you're going to lose a big game. When it comes time to win a championship, it used to be Clemson. In college basketball, it's Iowa. Iowa always going to go Iowa. Because in the state of Iowa, there really isn't anything. Iowa basketball is a really big deal. And guys like Jordan Bohannon and guys that play at Iowa think they're really important. And when you think you're really important, you get to this level and you're no longer striving. So you end up crapping the bed and that's what Iowa's always done. You know what I mean? That's what I was always done. So Epicenter has become that. If you watched the race on Saturday, you saw that Epicenter was the best horse. But like the Sacramento Kings, the Detroit Lions, the Pittsburgh Ste or the Pittsburgh Pirates, they just can't win. There's always a reason or an excuse, right? There's always something with these teams. Well, you know. Remember when the Clippers – Clippers are probably still the same way. Clippers used to always have the first-round draft choice, and then they always took a big name out of college who had a lot of potential and a lot of problems. They won a few games, and then the problems would surface. Next thing you know, they got guys in rehab. Lamar Odom is in a in a uh, whorehouse in Las Vegas taking synthetic, Viagra. I don't even know. It's crazy. That's epicenter. Not the synthetic Viagra. I'm sure that, you know, epicenter will be able to do the business that he was born to do. But you can tell this horse has uber, uber talent and just cannot win for whatever the freaking reason. It's amazing. Let me ask you a question. Would I include Texas A&M in there in football? Like, I get the Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban are going at each other. I get all that. And I get why. And I think it's a really important conversation for college sports. Right? I do. And here's a, here's a little bit of background. I don't think I talked about this on Friday. The background is this. Nick Saban is great. Like every other big-time coach, as long as he's beating you. Like Nick Saban Bob Knight was great to Gene Katie. Loved Gene Katie. Absolutely loved him. And then Katie started beating us on the regular. And then Knight had to act publicly like he liked him, likes him now. But man, behind he's cheating. They're cheating. And eventually it was discovered that Purdue did. I mean, they went on probation. But anyway. You like people in sports, in coaching, until they start beating you. And, oh, by the way, Jimbo Fisher beat Saban on the court or on the field, and then he beat him in recruiting. But the best part of this, may I say, the best part, and I think you all will like this, um, the best part is – Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier, to me, is the perfect guy to be the third party. Like, you ever see the Curb Your Enthusiasm where they're at a dinner party and you got to have the right guy in the middle? You got to have a good middle. You got to have a guy in the middle that can stir it up, keep conversation going across the table, to the left, to the right. It's not always the person at the head of the table. You got to have a good middle. Well, in my opinion, Steve Spurrier is the perfect middle because Steve Spurrier is the best dude at stirring it up. I mean, he says, hey, what? What did What did Saban say that was wrong? I don't know why Fisher's mad at Saban. Did Saban say anything that wasn't true? And the answer? Of course not. Of course not. Like, everybody knows the rules, as Doug said. Everybody. And you know what? They know they're buying players, and they know they can plead innocent. Everybody knows this. I don't think Saban told any lies out there, so I don't know what Fisher's mad about. I don't either. Uh, since Fisher beat him last year, I guess he can talk now. But he hadn't done much winning, not even a division. See, that's how coaches think. That's why I get in trouble in Indianapolis. Because in Indianapolis, here's the deal. In Indianapolis, um, I think like a coach. I don't want to hear about how good the general manager is. I don't want to hear how good the players are until they win. Like in Indy, we got a general manager that is considered the best in the country. He's the best in the NFL. Everybody would want our general manager. Really? Okay. What's his record? You know what his record is? 500. You know how many divisions he's won? Zero. You know how many playoff games he's won? One. It was his first or second year, can't remember. You know how many years in a row they haven't made the playoffs? One. You know how many home games they've had during his reign here in the playoffs? Zero. But everybody tells me, see, I think like Spurrier does. Have you won anything? I mean, particularly in the NFL, right? In the NFL and college, what's the number one thing? The number one thing, you got to win. And if you don't win, particularly in the NFL, because that's week to week, like basketball, college basketball, you play Monday, maybe you got a game Thursday, another one Saturday, then you got one Tuesday. I mean, there's so many damn games. There just are. So I love what Spurrier is the perfect person to have in the middle of your dinner party. Spurrier is. Like, Saban would have to stay, sit at the head of the table. Jimbo would be down at the other end saying, woe is me. But Spurrier would be the guy that goes, hey, Jennifer, El Presidente, Joe to the sea, Van Pat, you know what I'm talking about. You got to have somebody in the middle that is stirring it up, getting it going. And if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, by the way, before we go to my bets, I'm going to announce this today. Today is health. This week is health week in the Dan Dockage world. I do this every week. But those of you that want to get healthy, join me. Here's what we're doing we're intermediate fasting. So we're not eating, we're drinking diet. This is not whiskey. I wish it was, but it's not. It's iced tea. It's zero calorie, zero caffeine, like Milo's iced tea. It's the best stuff in the world. So we're drinking this in water. All right? Then. We're getting 12,000 at minimum steps a day, at minimum. We're doing 30 minutes of cardio a day. Here's the kicker. There will be no carbs. There will be no snacking. There will be no alcohol until 4 o'clock Friday. Now, that's not so much to ask, but join me in this pursuit. I looked at my brother and myself yesterday playing golf, and I'm like, man, we're just two fat blanks. He's like, I know. So, today, healthy day. And then on Friday, you can only drink light beer. That's right. Or tequila. Yeah. Give yourself a break. All right, let's bet on some stuff. You ready? Uh, tonight, I'm going to take the over of two, 207.5. Uh, I'm on a roll. Like, I'm legitimately on a roll. I'm going to show you the kind I'm not going to show you because it's, yeah. It's, uh, eh. We got sponsorship deals. But anyway, I'm gonna roll. But Golden State plus two and a half. I did have Zel Torres to win. Uh I did void a bet. He tied with who was the kid he was playing yesterday? Uh Young. Yeah. And then I'd gone on a streak, a magical streak of Zel Torres uh to win holes 10 through 12. Whatever. I, you know, here, I mean, you know, it's win, 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 win. Loss, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss. I'm on a streak. Take over seven and a half, uh, over 207 and a half. I don't know why. I may wait, but I'm telling you, they're starting to score points at the end of games now in these, in these games. I mean, it may look like it's lost. They had to get 15 points in a minute last game. They did. I hit it. So I'm taking that, and I'm taking Boston minus six. I think Boston minus six tonight. Look, the Celtics, I don't think, are the better team. I think they're the better team if Jimmy Butler's not in. But when I watched uh, the other night and I watched the Miami Heat get underneath the Celtics and be able to guard the Celtics one-on-one with better quickness, I got to tell you, I'll take that team. But tonight, no. Uh-uh. Celtics going to win by double digits. It's going to be nice early. I don't know what's going to happen early, but I'll guarantee you, the one thing I do know is the Celtics are not going to get down, what was it, 39-18? to 18? That's what it was the other night in the first quarter. That ain't happening. In fact, I might bet the Celtics to be up in the first quarter. Look, if you have pride, which the Celtics do, if you're playing at home and you got a fan base that holds you accountable, hey, look, this is not the howdy-doody fan base of the uh, Indianapolis Colts. This is not like <clears> – <throat> Well, you know, I love my boys no matter whether they win or lose. No, 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 no. no. This is a big city. What I just gave you was southern Indiana. Southern Indiana, we love the Colts whether they win or lose. Yeah, we do. No. In, in, (laughs) In states like Boston or cities like Boston, states like Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, You know, a city like Philadelphia, they have expectations. And the expectation is, tonight, we're going to kick the living hell out of the Miami Heat. And if you don't live up to that expectation, we're not going to let you off the hook. We're not. So maybe you wait, see how the game starts, and then bet the Celtics' money line. I don't know. Maybe you just take the juice and bet a money line. It'll be uh, be minus 200 and some. Maybe if they get down early, you can get it at minus 140, 130, 110. I don't know. But the Southern's going to win the game tonight. And they're going to score over 207 and a half points. And probably won't look like it until, I don't know, somebody hits a BS3. And next thing you know, you hit the over, and you didn't even know how it happened. I said the other day they had to score 15 points in the last minute. They did. Hey, got to thank everybody. Dylan and Ryan and Corey. We got all kinds of stuff going on back in the studio. They're in an office the size of this head. All of you folks, we had great numbers today. We had great numbers on the YouTube chat. We had great numbers on Twitter. That means we'll have great numbers all day. Thanks for that. Don't be afraid to go out and tell your partners. Don't be, don't be afraid to retweet the show. I try to get the show to 30,000 views every day. That's my goal. And if you can help me by retweeting it on Twitter, by the way, it'd be helpful. Some days we're at 100,000 when you combine all of the different segments that we tweet. But whatever you do, I really hope that you help us out. That would be great. Uh, I'm going to be on 107.5 The Fan. I got changes coming to that show. We're starting out biggins on Tuesday where we're going to celebrate us fatties. We're going to have What the Hell Wednesday on that show. Best thing I saw over the weekend today. We're going to talk about the Indianapolis 500. And the fact that Scott Dixon is an American badass and my friend Ed Carpenter is starting inside of row two. That's right. As we get ready for race weekend, the drunkest weekend in the United States. Boys and girls, Dockage out. Thanks for listening and watching.